Welcome to the ATG podcast, Knees Part 2. Uh, Knees over toast guy here. I run ATG. Keegan runs ATG for coaches. So give us a 60-second recap on what that is because rarely do I properly introduce that. ATG for coaches is a chance for coaches to actually be endorsed uh, in this system, to learn the system inside out, to understand how it works, why it works, to be able to reverse engineer it, to be able to explain it to an athlete, uh, it's one thing to do it. It's another thing to, to teach it. So, you know, we want to have people around the world who we feel are, are able to, to get this message across uh, and, and use these techniques to the fullest. Um, yeah, that's basically what we do. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of great people, great coaches with all different sorts of specializations. Uh, so it's, it's a real community as well as, um, you know, obviously being the home of, of ATG knowledge for coaches as well. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, ATG, the, the goal is results and personal touch and making that something that's accessible. So like ATG is 49.50 a month, no long-term contract, half off the first month. That's not any, that's not some elusive thing. I've seen a lot of coaching that's $600 a month or more. I mean, for real, you know, and, and some people sure. do it, but it's like the idea is making results, you know, really accessible and, and personal and like how we do the form coaching. I'm still not aware of anyone coaching form videos for that low of a price for like a, a personal training app. Um, no. and then, it, and then it's same with ATG for coaches, meaning I've had so many friends, you know, and they graduate a hundred thousand dollars or more in debt and don't feel confident. They don't feel like they can get results. And then they, they fuck around with ATG for coaches and within a month they're like getting the best results ever. So it's the same concept. I actually don't know the current pricing. Yes. It's a hundred dollars a month. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've invested tens of thousands of dollars. I did the traditional education, et cetera. And what's really one of the things that's unique is, you know, what you're doing with the ATG Pulse, like actually having direct contact with the founder of the system and, you know, the interactive nature of what we're doing. I don't know anyone else who's kind of doing that, that sort of thing in, uh, in coach education, which I think is quite special in itself. Yeah. One of, one of the guys from ATG for coaches just messaged me and he gave a famous professional athlete like a workout that blew their mind, you know, and this is something, this is someone who had been through traditional education and paid the hundreds of thousand dollars only to not be able to get results. And now anyways, we did a good little intro there in the first knee episode. We talked about reverse step ups, ATG split squats, Nordics, uh, reverse step ups and split squats are progressed throughout zero dense and standards Nordics. We like to prep with full knee bend and decent flexibility first in zero, then in dense we just work on the way down. Then in standards, we actually get into full Nordic. So that is a previous episode, not to mention the ankle episode. That's a key part of knees as well. So that's what we've established so far, ankle numbers and really stability numbers for the knees. But if I could only do one exercise to jump higher, it would be cheeks to sneak squats with a slant board. So let's break that down. I know you've been doing some of the body weight for super high reps. I think you've even tried single leg. So like in our advanced zero, mastering your body weight, hundred reps is no joke. Um, tell me about that. You've put like some top athletes even through just, just this concept of like rebuilding your squat. Yeah. And this has been like a major breakthrough, like after 20 years of kind of training and coaching and being obsessed about this stuff, I dismissed the slant because it hurt my knees. <laughs> you know, the irony is that so many of us reject this solution because, well, powerlifters don't do it and weightlifters don't compete on a slant. 
And, you know, so it's not really, you know, you can opt in or opt out if you want. And I chose to opt out because it hurt my knees. And so I could get strong with other stuff. I could lift heaps of weight on other stuff. Um, but then, yeah, this is such a humbling exercise. And you can see it. Like I put a guy on the slant board who ran 10, 10 uh, as a five, seven white guy, you know, one of the fastest pound for pound and, and for his height in the world next to other players, rugby players, who had knee pain and just seeing them go at body weight. And we went for like 20 minutes of just, uh, I go, you go on the board. There were four of the guys. I think there were, there were three boards and, and it was just like, just keep getting back on the boards and, and go, go, go. And I would say the guy who ran the 10, 10 would have done three times as many reps as, you know, the other guys and the other guys. Were and still he, he looked athletes. rock solid. And I remember one of those old rock videos solid. and some of the weaker guys looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame, meaning they quite literally, could not put the pressure on the patellar tendons. The patellar tendons actually can grow and develop. They have anabolic properties, just yep. like muscles have anabolic properties. Now, what we're seeing is that people after zero, so in, in base zero, we're just trying to build the ATG split squat, the reverse step-ups, the ankles. After that, all of a sudden, the board feels pretty damn good. Then in dense, we're hitting the board once a week, 10 sets of 10 in 10 minutes. When you can do that with 25% of body weight, so when you hold a dumbbell or a kettlebell in front, it gives a measure of if your legs and patellar tendons are actually doing the work. So we've, again, we've seen guys who maybe can quote unquote squat a lot of weight, but they can't jump high. They're not explosive and they have chronic knee pain and they're so much weaker comparatively on a sitting back squat versus a tendon dominant full range of motion on the slant board. So when you hold a dumbbell or a kettlebell for your elbows to actually stay above the thighs, it creates some, some strictness there. Now you've also then played with, okay, what happens when someone can do 10 sets of 10 in 10 minutes with 25% of body weight, throwing a barbell. So we talked about this. So why don't you, why don't you discuss, I think bar on front, you know, would make the most sense first 10 sets of five we discussed for advanced dense. Yeah. I love, I love that 10 sets of five bar on front that gives you an opportunity to load it up, but you're coming from the place of having the foundation rather than coming from a lot of people come at this from like, oh, I've squatted double body weight or I've squatted a lot of weight. And so now I'm going to squat a lot of weight on the slant and you're coming at it from that angle rather than coming at it from the, the side of body weight, from the side of control and being able to do the step ups where you're happy to sort of progress um, systematically through. I think that's, that's a really important uh, point is that we, you know, it is okay to get to being able to use a, a big weight on this. We're not saying it's good to be weak, but, if we've avoided this position while we've built these big squat numbers, the big squat numbers are bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you've done that without having the foundation, then chances are yeah, you, you're going to have these gaps in performance, these, you know, niggles. So you lift it, you know, we've had. Think of it as a nitro boost. Yep. Think of it as a nitro boost to what you're doing. Not, not asking you to stop your sport or to stop. If you're a power lifter, we're having so much results with powerlifters right now. It's absolutely insane. Guys who just assumed that like they would have to work through certain knee pain or that their numbers, you know, stopped at a certain point. Look, if it has the power to jack up people's vertical jumps while reducing knee pain, it has the exact same power to jack up powerlifters squats. And we're seeing guys hitting just insane weights. So think of it as a boost to what you're doing. It's a good time to stop and point out ATG is not a sport. It's not a sport. No session takes longer than 30 minutes. That leaves you with a lot of room there to be yourself and, and see what you want to do. Now, look, I just do the 30 minutes. I'm just obsessed with doing the 30 minutes. I don't know if it's, 
I, I don't know why, but I don't really like training longer than that. I think it's just because naturally with those 30, feel, 30 minutes, I feel so juiced up, so confident in my body that it's like, I'm ready to go to the basketball court and like, play, you know what I mean? So I think it's because I come from a basketball background where I understand that if I can change my body in, in 30 minutes, that's going to give me an advantage on the court and with my skill versus if I have to train for 60, 90 minutes, mobility yep. and all this stuff. And, and you know, I, I did that exact thing with the team, Ben, that, uh, you know, the, the, the roosters are our most successful time. We had 20 minute sessions sometimes like they'd literally be in and out of the gym in 20 minutes, um, rarely over 30 minutes in season. And, you know, we dominated the opposition guys were, you know, players were asking our players after the game, like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you so much, you know, phys more physically dominant than, than we are? Like they were literally, you know, talking about that and our sessions, I believe our sessions were the shortest. We had the smallest gym in the league as well. So we didn't have, you know, we didn't have all the gear. Um, and, and we had the shortest sessions and, and we got results. So, you know, that was with rugby as well. So don't just think people listening to this, that, oh, well, this applies to basketball and they don't need to be big. Like I've, you know, literally used this approach with heavy athletes that need to be really strong. Now I didn't have the movement vocabulary at that time. And I ignored a lot of the niggles and, and that players had because I just didn't have the knowledge of how to, how to overcome them. I had little pieces of, of what's now the ATG system but I didn't have this coherent understanding of how to heal, heal and rebuild. So yeah, yeah. I, I love the, the time management and athletes love it too. You know, like in the way that you're talking about to get on with your day and feel juiced up, you know, that was the goal for our sessions, like leave full of energy rather than leaving um, drained. And, and, you know, yeah. And, you and even if you off. are drained, it's drained from 30 minutes. So, you know, you, you get more of a second wind later and it's just a 100%. different way of looking at it. Like, we're trying to move the needle on strength, but we're trying to move the needle on strength in a tendon dominant way. And in a way that we're targeting those areas and muscle fibers that we really need for, for athleticism. So we have to go and really start back from the beginning with this exercise. And Drew will put some, some visuals of me doing this. Um, the greatest knee longevity case of all time is George Hackenschmidt. He, there's pictures of him at 75 years old, jumping over a hurdle, which is half his height there's uh verbally so he was doing that at age 75 there's pictures of that and at 87 till you know till his death he was reportedly still able to jump over chairs and his squat was standing there no slant board meaning actually handling all that strength through the foot which is actually kind of our our process from zero to dense to standards like how we do with our step ups and the the bars behind his back with his arms like strict his hands close together so the bar's not drooping under the butt. It's right smack against the body behind the back. And he's lowering down, completely covering the calves. And his records in that lift still stand. And he still has the greatest knee longevity case ever. Now, if someone stands there and even holds a PVC pipe, and you know, if you tell the person, okay, you have to hold that PVC pipe behind your back and you have to get your hamstrings to completely cover your calves. And if you correlated that with knee pain and knee injuries, you would see incredible things. There's not one fucking study done on this yet. Excuse my French, but that's how much severity I have to put on this. This is how backwards our society has gone. This is why knee, this is why knee injuries have skyrocketed to epidemic levels because we've gone literally away from the truth and away from the best results. And if you avoid the knees and you avoid lifting your heels and getting that full range of motion, you're simply asking for weaker tendons, weaker ligaments, weaker muscles, around your knees and more problems that you're directly asking for this. Of course, working through pain is not the way. 
That's why the concept of us rebuilding from the ground up, the regressions we've figured out, how the ATG split squat scales, these are revolutions for training that the most fragile people who think they can't do that, who right now couldn't, can get there. So my whole career is built off that. And now I'm jumping so much higher. So it's like, why revert back to quote unquote, traditional training, traditional training, Olympic lifts and power lifts are their own sports. Power lifters we're seeing skyrocketing Olympic lifters. We're also seeing the same thing. And if Olympic lifters in America, for example, where we visually have smaller VMOs and way more knee pain and surgeries, if we wanted to compete in Olympic weightlifting with China, who's kicking our ass and their VMOs are the size of footballs. All we need to do for our accessory work is apply these concepts. So I think that's like a, you know, a severe way of looking at it, but it's like the greatest knee longevity case ever. His strictly measurable can't cheat it exercise. Cause you fall on your ass. If you try to sit back and if you try to lean too far forward, you fall forward. Zero studies done on it. This is why academia is just not for me because it's brutally failed us. It failed me. And now I saved me and others, not with academia. So I'm sure as hell not going back, but we're also with ATG, we're directly paving the way for academia. Here's something you could study. Here's something exactly measurable. We're handing it on a platter. So this would represent an advanced option again, once the standard is met. So the whole, the whole, you know, thing was knee numbers that 10 sets of 10 with 25% of body weight in 10 minutes, or then in standards, being able to do sets of 20 reps in a row with 25% of body. It, that's really a baseline number, which opens the door to the barbell and to the actual pack squat. Have you tried this one yet? I mean, that's one of the cool things about what we're doing. You and I are both getting, you know, more athletic as we speak. Have you tried have you tried that one yet? I haven't done the, the, the full workout on that yet. I've been working on like, even though those single leg ones, the challenge that you set with that, absolutely brutal. And to be honest, like there's still a big gap there for me. I've been on the slam board. Like I can use the slam board now, but I far from dominating it, especially on, on the single leg. Um, How many years do I, you honestly think you spent? <laughs> honestly, like, like what do you think your actual ratio is of intent of effort with intent? of you know tendon dominant versus flat tendon let's just say tendon dominant versus non-tendon numb because a peterson step up is tendon dominant too you know what i mean yeah Yeah. Uh, it's it's like still probably 98 to (laughs) two you know like it's 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 gonna take a while and how and how old are you 38 yeah. i started training when i was like 14 you know my brother had a set of weights and you know maybe 12 and then probably got serious with it about 16 and uh yeah it definitely helped athleticism but it it you know then it just didn't know how to get over the niggles and then you get this pain cycle where you're not getting good muscle activation because the pain is there so you're working hard but you're like you know spinning the wheels like what, what was it like for you like when did you actually start slant work and was it painful to start with did you push through or like how were you i mean i think it was like like believe it or not by age 10 i was training like really freaking hard mostly with just in you know all kinds of speed ladders and jump ropes and jump soles and you know strength shoes and weight vests and ankle weights and all that you know but i i kind of look at 10 to 20 was like destroying my body and now 20 to 30 has been unraveling that. And so, yeah. you know, e- even for 
um, you know, so even for me, like I'm making gains right now of like, like, like as we speak right now, Friday, I'm now filming because I've got it down to really strict measurable form for advanced, like I'm on standards right now. So yep. for advanced people who can do the standard to go beyond standard, one of the ways loading with a bar, there's so much potential just by now loading. And so for standards, instead of like the 10 set in standards, you basically just get to work up to a set. So I would say minimum five sets, maximum 10 sets, somewhere in there, you should reach a set that you're happy with. In this case, we're doing five reps bar on front, rack the bar, then immediately five reps bar and back, then full recovery. And you, you just work your way up. There's so much potential with that one, but there's also so much potential with the actual hack squat. So I mean, even for me right now, I'm just now working on the actual hack squat and 65 pounds for 10 reps is unbelievable, you know? So even for me, it's, it's very new, you know, it's been an unraveling process and what's been important to us is that we can strictly measure it. You know, like each tool has to be, it can't just have, there can't be gray areas. The form has to be very exact. So it's taken me a while of playing with the hack to realize that, okay, the hack is, is really the advanced one. And you actually don't use slant board because it becomes very, with the weight behind your back, it becomes much more personal of letting your heels come up, whatever they, they need. So the, the board for beginners, for single leg, which would be an advanced zero for low, you know, for loading up top board, 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 but it's also fun now to be able to mix it up and do the actual hack squat. Like me looking at it now, I'm like, geez, if I want to be like dunking when I'm 50, thank you, George Hackenschmidt. You made it really fucking obvious to do so is to be able to do that without pain and be strong in it. So, so that's the trick. You know, we have these top things, but we also have every exact regression measurably to get there. So I like, I'm freaking stoked getting more athletic, you know, now in my thirties, uh, you know, having reached 20, having never grabbed a rim, you know, it's, that's why my coaches like shit their pants when they see me now. Um, so yeah, what, what about you? You going to work on it this Friday? Yeah, I, I'm uh, back on limited equipment, so it's full focus on so you don't uh, have zero much of a again. choice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you could probably, just, uh, you could probably hold a sandbag or something. Although again, if you have, if you have a slant board with you, the single legged squat on slant board is, is quite intense, you know, and, and we warm our way up for that in zero, you know, but. There's um, so many options you, now with, you don't actually need a lot of weight to, to work the legs super hard. It's really clear now where for a long time, it sort of felt like if you don't have hundred plus kilos of bar, bar and weight, then you can't really get a leg workout where now it's like, uh, you know, you find a way to rig up the Nordics, you know, and if you if you're doing all the single angle, leg slant, all the, yeah, all the hack work, work. Yeah, there's, and there's like no excuse now ever. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, <laughs> oh man, don't have a gym. <laughs> well, shit, you maybe you just changed your life. You know what I mean? And it's and we don't. I I still think that you and I would probably agree that we wouldn't want that to be more than like a third of yearly volume. You know, like there there is just as going to only body weight is going to force certain things then being able to add weight on certain things, I think it creates a lot better results than just doing the exact same thing all the time, you know? So that's why I even like in standards, you know, based on my, based on my mood on Friday, I could now work, you know, the front to back with the bar or the hack. And I'll tell you 100% factually, 
that I'll be doing both because on Friday it's, it's a, it's a slightly shorter workout on Friday because you have two legs rather than Monday being step up single leg, Wednesday being split squat, single leg. So I'm definitely doing both of those bad boys. I mean, I, I can't wait, you know, and it allows, it allows you to push to that full effort, but with the end result being more tendon dominance, more athleticism, more of that elusive, you know, VMO, which if you're someone who doesn't have them naturally, it's just so much different trying to build them. And now if you're someone who are, who does have it naturally, now you can get to just like totally, you know, freak stuff, you know, the, the freaks should be trying to break world records with this stuff. You, you kind of point to that as being like the thing that really took off your, your vertical, right. And you know, that even that standing dunk from the deep squat position, like people will do it, but they don't actually accelerate from the bottom. And I haven't really seen anyone be able to like smoothly accelerate and maybe, you know, can link in the clip, but that's still one of the feats and, and you dunk off the slant board. Um, that was crazy. Guys, you know, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, be, you gotta be careful with that one. <laughs> that, that was fun. What, what do you think about that? You know, the, in terms of just pure impact on athleticism with the, with the slant and, and being able to get out of that position fast. I mean, it changes the nature in actual sports, you know, like you can kind of prepare yourself for a certain vertical jump or a certain start time, but how you can actually hold these, ang these angles in your joints is going to allow you to get, you know, under defenders, get a faster start time in real world situations without having to think about it. You know what I mean? So that, that tendon dominance, it's like, we talk about Michael Jordan, like he was born so beautifully, naturally tendon dominant stuff. He was the most knees over toes player in NBA history relative to his size that at six, six, his knees are practically hitting the floor all the time. You know what I mean? And then you see the stiffer, less athletic players and those knees never come close to the floor. They're all stiff up top. So it, it gives you leverages for actual in-game scenarios, not to mention then being able to handle your sport without the various impacts being, you know, so in injurious. So it's like, okay, if the most agile guys, their knees are getting so, you know, deep in these positions on the court, and then our squat is sitting back versus slant board, you know? So it's like seated, good morning, Romanian deadlift, single leg back extensions, these kind of things allow you to build up those posterior chain, you know, uh, not to mention, you know, Nordic, you can build up your posterior chain separately and isolated. And that's a whole nother subject that we'll get in. That's a whole nother podcast that we'll start on next week with the hips. We have like seven minutes left. So I did want to say that like, you know, George Hackenschmidt, it's not like he was just this outlier because the greatest the, you know, the greatest now current jumping longevity case that we actually have videos of is Kadur Ziani. And that guy's the most knees over toes jumper ever. He, he, he's a body weight representation of exactly what we're talking about. Now he has a thinner frame. So again, he, you know, if Kadur as a professional dunker wanted to be professional in a team sport that required more muscle mass, he wouldn't really have to change anything. He would just cycle from the body weight to then learning how to add loads. You know what I mean? And, and the muscle, more muscle would develop, but Talk about, you know, tendon dominance, still dunking at 47, measurably had over a 50 inch vertical jump and was literally, I mean, have you seen how like his crazy knees over toes ability? Yeah. He's phenomenal in his, his feet, like his ability to, to get that dorsiflexion. Um, yep. And you know, he's worked so hard on that and he continues to work hard on it. It's like the pride of, of his training. You know, if you, if you check out his stuff on Instagram, there's so much just working his, his feet and his ability to get his knee over his toe by his ankle 
um, just having extreme function and, and yeah, that it carries over and it's working and, you know, can do those duck walks and, you know, to be doing that stuff at, 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 you know, 47 and like, he's been pushing it hard for a long time. It's not like he's been in right. It's not like he's like been he's avoiding been life crazy. and waiting to be on social media when he was 47. No, he's been like trying to, you know, he's been Trusting putting insane him. impacts into his body for three decades. Yeah. yeah it reminds it's... me of hack. Like Kadur reminds me of hack in that, yeah, it's almost like our ATG system at the, you know, in terms of the knee is like, we're making it accessible so that people could be like these kind of cases, you know, but it's almost like they, they instinctively knew this stuff and were able to get to these end things without knee surgeries on the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just think that having that clarity that it's not like it stands alone, like it, it's powerful in itself and it doesn't, have to be a percentage of your back squat and it's it's not about that like it it actually works in itself and Hackenschmidt was a great wrestler as well if you look up his history you know he was exactly. largely right he, he was, was a wrestler he wasn't a lit like he wasn't a yeah. lifter he was doing that to go be able to beat this shit out of people like again it's a big difference he what that wasn't the sport he was lifting for his sport and if he yeah. and if he had and did com- wanted to compete in powerlifting or these kind of things, Olympic lifting, I think he dabbled, you know, in, in yeah. also these strong things. The point is, his body's like so built for it. And again, talk about thrashing life. George Hackenschmidt again wasn't running from life. So eighty-seven still jumping over chairs. I mean, that's insane. The bulletproofing you have to have for that is very different than you know just avoiding life. So he, He's an exact, you know, representation, same with Kadur of what we're talking about. And that's why I keep, you know, jumping off, you know, ladders and stuff like that. I'm not trying to run from life. And on that note, I think we can summarize the reverse Nordic and sissy slash KOT squat, whatever you want to call it real fast. For me, the purpose of the reverse Nordic with these levels, which is hundred percent because of you, because for me from couch stretch, and me doing probably more ATG split squats than anyone in history, I was able to do the reverse Nordic. Now I'm not saying it was easy. Now it's much easier. And I used to have to spend a lot more time doing the couch stretch to be able to do the reverse Nordic than now just doing the reverse Nordic once a week with its various, you know, regression. So for me, it's like, if you can achieve a range, that's cool. But if you can own that range, we're talking exponential reduction of injury, exponentially less time having to i i and for my surgery knee i definitely assumed i will always have to do more couch stretch on my left leg than my right leg i'll simply have to because of the surgical alterations there's this mass in there i would show people the mass so you know so that's why i have to do wrong reverse nordic and its regressions unreal now and i've done it for people like cold now and this and that and and so, I mean, to me, that's the main purpose is that we're going from couch stretch and then we're owning our couch stretch. So couch stretch and zero and then regressed, you know, reverse Nordic, just five sets of five once a week and five minutes in dense so that you can't really like go to a maximum, then allowing yourself to see where you're at in standards. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think being able to get into that position and the adaptations that you get in the tendons and ligaments is like a prerequisite. And for people who think oh, I can't really do these hack you know, things and slant board as you progress with the sissy or the natural knee extension, you know, the rest Nordic, you will unlock those. You will get adaptation in the tissues. And at the same time, 
you may not be able to start with this. Like that's the whole idea of the sequencing. And, and there is a regression, you know, that you will be able to start at some level in the reverse nodding. Exactly. If, if you do it at the wrong level, you, you definitely can cause challenges. I get those messages on Instagram. Hey, like I've started doing, you know, reverse nordics and, and things are playing up like with the meniscus or with the tendons and like, yeah, that's not how you do the system. You know, like that's really important for people to, to know. As or well just as doing the same thing every day. Tendons you take longer to recover. In. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. So, and that's why I covered these last in just a couple of minutes, because it's like, these are finishing touches. These are not the things we're doing all the volume on. These are finishing touches that learning how to scale them to your level, doing them at the right times can then make the rest of life so much easier. And that's knees over toe squat, sissy squat, whatever you want to call it. You could almost call them two different things. When we balance like Tom Platts would balance and then, you know, really lean back. That's one of the options we allow. We also allow, you know, where you don't have any hands and it's just how strong you are. Number one, I don't think it's mandatory. Number two, that changed my life on the basketball court. Like that, that's the kind of stuff that then makes basketball like a joke that you even can get into a sticky situation and, and not buckle. And again, those things really scale. And again, with the, so with the reverse Nordic, we're only talking about, you know, like a very gentle amount of volume with scaling. And with the sissy squat slash KOT squat, we're only talking about an in body weight phase. And it gets us into that toe dominance as well. You know, like it really gets us into the, the big toe and really like owning our own body. So it, it has its own purpose at its own time and it's still optional. And we're not actually trying to like jam all these things. Like we don't do, for example, we talked about three different exercises today. We don't do these, you know, like all in the same session with load and all this stuff. So, all right, I'm, I'm out 20 minutes. Any concluding thoughts? Just do, the, do these exercises, be patient with them, work on them. And the worse you are at them now, the more important it is that you listen to this podcast That's again and just great, make the decision yep. to do it. Yeah. Right. Whatever you're worst at right now, you're actually kind of illuminating. Like I'm not in this to, to try to make life like all pillows and clouds. It will be by comparison. I'm in this because we're heading toward knee replacements and, and disasters as a population. And we can totally unwind that stuff. So listen to ankle numbers, listen to knee numbers part one. This podcast is more like, like the cherry on top. And it's almost the things that we like should have been able to do, you know, as kids and stuff that then would have made life a joke by comparison. So this is, this is now like the finishing touch stuff, but really I would base this whole podcast on George Hackenschmidt. It must be known. He's the greatest knee longevity case ever. And we have gone in the opposite direction of helping people be more like George. So good work, brother. Thank you. All right.